everybody. How you doing? Hang on just one second. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> this will look this. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you, hon. That's my wife, Robin, in case you didn't know. Some weird person just wanted you to know this sermon is sanitized for your protection. Okay, I told you I'm using the same joke, so I'll laugh louder this time. <laughs> Hey, uh, glad that you've joined us. Thanks for our staff that is uh, virus-free and here together today to, to help us worship and help continue ministry this morning. And uh, yeah, this is just an insane time uh, as we're trying to figure out as the world, as a country, uh, what to do about all of this. And so just to let you know that we're on it. We are having major discussions, uh, obviously about even today and how all that changed over the last few days. But this afternoon, the trustees and staff are meeting to talk about what's next, you know, what, what kind of mandates are we receiving, what kind of suggestions are coming from other places on how to, to do groups. And so we're going to meet on what that might look like. And so we'll be sending out information. So be sure you're connected uh, with our web, website, with our app. Uh, make sure you've got our phone number, emails, all that kind of stuff. You need to contact us. Uh, we're available to kind of help give you guidance and answer questions you might have about what's going on. But again, this is a time to be the church. So there's that sense of excitement to see what God is going to do as this opportunity has come uh, into our front yard to actually serve and love one another. We talk a lot about it. Our value statement is to make Burleson a better place for everyone. Now we have a major opportunity to show that and put our our feet to where our mouth is and, and demonstrate it by showing love and just trying to be a calming presence for folks. As we talk amongst one another, uh, amongst those who are not believers in Christ, uh, some of the songs we talked about today, that fear is real. There are a lot of people that are worried, a lot of people who have no hope beyond what they can see. So this is a great opportunity for us to be the church. Uh, This is our mission field where God has placed us. And so we get to, to say the truth and live the truth before others and pray for people, pray for one another. Pray for your neighbors. We encourage you to uh, go door to door, check on your neighbors, especially those who might be elderly, to make sure they have plenty of food, make sure that if they need to get to a doctor or hospital, that they have a ride. Uh, You might need to share some of your resources or supplies or maybe even your finances to help. Uh, If it's beyond your means, again, let us know. We can step in and help. We've got some funds set up to help our own church members. Uh, Obviously, we also have funds and resources to help our community. So we're good at this. We're very good at this. This is what we do. And so we want that opportunity to do it. So just let us know and, and how we can step in and help. And so I know we've been going through this series, Broken Before Breakthrough, and going through the book of First John. And my intent was to finish that, that part of the study today. Uh, but in light of the circumstances, I thought maybe we should talk about something different. And so this morning I want to talk about worry and anxiety. What does the Bible say about worry and anxiety? What is it as Christ followers, how do we respond to the anxiety, to, uh, to the fear that is out there in our community? Well, the Bible is very clear on how we respond individually and then how we can actually share this hope uh, with those that are around us. So just want to kind of focus on that today. Hopefully we'll be back in, in our series next week. But I want to focus on this because obviously this is an issue. And, uh, and you can read the signs very vividly. There's a lot of fear-mongering going on. Of course, Certain outlets have really uh, blown this thing huge, and it is serious. It is, we need to take concern. We need to be serious about what's going on and do our part, as we're trying to do this morning, by streaming our services. 
but also realize that a lot of people, the fear is exaggerated in their lives. And so we can be a calming presence in their life. So I wanted to just kind of share a few thoughts about worry. It is something we deal with as humans. And just to remind us all, first of all, just to keep calm. Uh, there is no need to panic. There's a need to be wise, but just keep calm and wash your hands, right? That's a, that's a first step that we can do uh, in, in trying to help slow this virus down. But just, again, kind of it's a good time maybe to laugh a little bit, Right? Because in Christ, we, we can laugh at worry, not, not in a condescending way, but that worry doesn't have to influence us, doesn't have to influence our decisions, doesn't have to impact our lives, doesn't have to crump, crumple our lives or limit us in what we do. And so just a couple of quotes that I found. Uh, this was a Swedish proverb uh, that I read a long time ago, really like it. Worry gives a small thing a big shadow. Right, so we, we're... We're seeing the, that opportunity that things can kind of go beyond what the, they really are and cause people to worry. Charles Schultz, uh, who uh, famous for the Peanuts comic strip, said this, don't worry about the world coming to an end. It's already tomorrow in Australia. All right? So uh, even though Tom Hanks, uh, you know, has the virus in Australia, we know that it's still there, right? Right? I saw what was it posted today on Facebook, that uh, Tom Hanks, again, is stranded on an island with Wilson, right? <laughs> so I thought that was, that was clever. He may not think so, but I thought that was funny. Uh, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, this one, don't worry about life. You're not going to survive it anyway. Okay, we all know that. <clears throat> you don't, if you have to explain, it's not as good. All right, <laughs> sorry. Women always worry about what men will forget. Men always worry about what women will remember. All, all the husbands said amen. Thank you. You guys need to step it up a little bit. Uh, Stephen Wright, one of my favorite comedians, says, I drive way too fast to worry about cholesterol. All right, so there's, again, it's all based on perspective. So the original word, worry, the, the German word for worry actually means to choke. It's, a, it's the idea, it's very descriptive of putting your hand around someone's throat and squeezing, squeezing life out of someone. That's what worry does for us. It, that's that's the, the strength of worry is to take life and ruin our perspective and take hope away from us and cause us to, to focus on things that are circumstantial and temporary rather than things that are eternal. So this is a battle that we fight. And again, honestly, as Christians, we are humans. And there are plenty of things in this world to worry about. And I think most of us would be honest to say, this is, this is a battle that I fight. You may have security in one area of life, but there's probably an area of your life that you do worry about. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's viruses, maybe it's roaches. I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's probably something that creates worry and stress in your life. And, and so the Bible addresses this. It causes us to ask that question, what does worry you? And as a Christian, why do you worry? And is it okay that I worry as a Christ follower? Well, the Bible speaks about this very vividly, about this issue of worrying. Because, again, God, being that good father, knows that worry just kind of rips us apart. Worry robs us of the joy that we have in our salvation. Worry is the thing that can rob us of the peace that God offers. It passes all human understanding and human explanation. Right? So this is that battle, that worry, anxiety, stress, whatever you want to call it. There is this element that it has to rob us of what God gives us. And so worry, 
as a basic definition, causes us to take responsibility for things that God never intended for us to take responsibility for. Right? So we worry about our lives and all these aspects of our lives that we really have no control over anyway, but yet we somehow seem to worry about it. And if you'll look back over the things you worry about most, probably 90% of them never really happen. <laughs> Those what-ifs of life will actually just drive you insane if that's what you keep asking. What if this happens? What if this? You know somebody like that? Every circumstance, you know, they, they can find a cloud behind every silver lining. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I know that, but wh- this is great, but what if this doesn't work? And so we have these questions that sometimes we don't get answers to, but thanks to God that our faith, our hope, our trust, our peace doesn't come in getting answers even, uh, but it comes in him. And, and so understanding that is really in a, usually in times where we don't have the answers to our questions. Like, how is this thing all going to play out? <laughs> what are the lasting effects of what we're experiencing? What's, what are the lasting economic effects, financial effects? Uh, you know, what, what, what is it going to take to really eradicate this issue. So there's all these questions out there that people just don't know. There's research and people are working hard to figure these things out, but we don't know yet. But again, that doesn't, finding those answers shouldn't be what gives us a sense of peace. There's something beyond even our answers. Some of us, would we, I don't know if we use this term anymore. It may not be cool to use or groovy to use anymore, but uh, worry wart, right? You know what that, somebody just worries all the time about everything. Uh, technical term is a hypochondriac, right? I have a good friend that if they see somebody with a disease on television, then, then he has it. You know, it's just, oh, I, that's what I must have, right? Well, my grandmother was that way. My grandmother took 30, 34 pills a day, and 33 of them were placebos, right? There was only one that was valid, and it was like a baby aspirin. That was the only real pill that she took, but she just felt like I have all these issues. She had an oxygen tank with her all the time that was always on zero, you know, it's just, just in case the air left the planet, she would be able to breathe. So and just living that life inside her house, you know, all enclosed and just like, I don't want to live like that. But there are people out there, and maybe not to that extreme, but there's always something causing fear, anxiety, and worry. So they never really live. They live so cautiously that they never actually live because they're so afraid and fear is debilitating. And, and that really gives us... Uh, an understanding of worry, worry really isn't about our circumstances. There are always going to be negative circumstances. Worry really is a sign of our heart. It's an indicator of our faith. It's an indicator of our heart or how we see things uh, and how we view life. So the Bible addresses this issue, this, this emotion, this feeling that we have with the idea of worry. So this morning, I just want to take to, the, to me the most famous passage about worry in Philippians chapter 4 which we call the, the joy book, right? Philippians is about joy and how to experience joy regardless of circumstances. And the Apostle Paul addresses this human emotion of worry, stress, and anxiety because we all deal with it. We all have it. And if anybody should be able to write about it, it should be the Apostle Paul because if you think about after he was converted to Christianity, before he was converted, he was top dog. I mean, he was a fair... He was, he was head. He was leader. He was persecuting the church. Everything was golden in his eyes. He even thought he was doing God's will. Jesus saves him on the road to Damascus, and then eventually he gets thrown in jail. He gets beaten. He gets flogged. He gets stoned. He gets shipwrecked. Life got really rough after he came to Christ. So if anybody has an opportunity to write, to write about anxiety and stress, it would be Paul. And this is what he says in chapter 4, verse 6. Very simple, very black and white, very clear. Do not be anxious about anything. 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And that word anything in the original means anything, right? That's a seminary joke. Sorry, it doesn't translate well. So, right, but anything. Don't worry about anything. Oh, come on, surely, Paul, there's got to be a category. Like, you're probably afraid to ride on a boat after the shipwreck, right? Anything. Don't worry about anything. And the antidote to that is pray about everything. So here's the, the issue. Here's the virus, worry, stress, and anxiety. Don't do that. That's great to say, but how do I not do that? Well, you pray about everything. All right? And, and our world believes in prayer. Right? You'll, you'll hear non-believers talk about praying. So prayer is not the power. The one to whom you pray is where the power comes. So we know that. There will be people who are not believers in God who will be praying like crazy, especially if they contract this virus, but yet they won't find answers. There won't, won't be a sense of hope other than just expressing their fears. But we know that we pray to someone who responds, who hears, who always hears. God always hears. And he responds. Not only does he hear, he responds, he initiates. Now, it may not be the answer we wanted, Right? But we trust it is the right answer. So here's just, again, maybe a a quick phrase. Maybe you could tweet this. Here's the response. Don't worry, pray. All right, say it with me. Don't worry, pray. Don't worry, pray, right? There's a great song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, right? Maybe we could use the word pray instead of happy and rewrite that song. You're probably singing it in your head right now, right? (laughs) Doesn't flow as well, but still it works, right? So don't worry, pray. That's, we have a response to worry. We don't have to be victims of worry, but it's not like there's nothing we have to counteract it. Paul says prayer is the issue. Because if you've ever experienced worry, stress, or anxiety, it is like an adrenaline rush. It is in response to stress, typically. right? And so if you've ever had an adrenaline rush you've, in sports or whatever it might cause, in a time of stress, your body produces adrenaline, which gives you energy and strength to persevere and continue on through a difficult time. Well, for our bodies, our minds, worry is like that. It responds to times of stress. But just like an adrenaline rush, we're not intended to live in that situation forever. You can't live with constant adrenaline being pumped into your body. It would kill you, right? Well, God didn't design our bodies to live in constant stress, anxiety, and worry. Yet we live in a world that it's easy to do this. Because our bodies can't sustain that. If you've ever been in a time of stress, you'll notice physical ailments because of it. You'll get headaches, you'll get stomach aches, you'll feel fatigue. Stress has a physical component to it that impacts our physical bodies. And God knows that he doesn't want us to live that way and according to that way. So something has to change. If worry is not going to be a component that limits us living the life God created for us to live, then something has to change. And, And maybe today it's your perspective or your attitude about this issue. Well, I'm just a worrier. Well, you don't have to be. <laughs> but, that's, but that's the way, my mother was a worrier, and my grandmother was a worrier. I come from a long line of worriers. Well, it's time to break the chain, right? You don't have to continue to be a worrier. It requires a new perspective. The first thing is you have to make sure you've introduced God into your life. Without Jesus as the leader and forgiver of your life, you will be a victim of worry for the rest of your life. Stress and anxiety, the only way to counteract that. Again, the only way to to have prayer impact worry is that we pray to the one true God. 
There'll be people praying to false gods all over the place, here and in other countries, looking for hope, restitution, and rescue, but they won't get it because there's only one. There's only one true God, and he cares about you more than you can ever understand, and he cares about the things that cause you to worry. He cares about the stress that is causing your life by things like this virus. And so Paul says to us that we have a different perspective. We need to look at the world from a biblical view, from a different perspective. And so I, I thought of the story in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, verses 8. You, you're probably familiar with this story. Maybe you read it as a kid. It's a great story. I just want to read it for us this morning. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place. Well, sorry. I didn't want to lick my fingers, but I did. <coughs> it's good to laugh about this, isn't it? I don't feel so well. Okay. Because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. It's pretty amazing. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And this is where we get the movie, Chariots of Fire. Probably not, but that's a good term. It says it there, right? So here's the scene, right? Elisha and his prophet are surrounded in this city by the enemies that want to capture them and take them and most likely kill them. So the servant is afraid, but Elisha, a lot like Jesus on the boat, is very calm in this moment. And he says, oh, dude, just chill, right? Just go outside and look. So he goes outside, guess what he sees? The army, surrounded. All right, so what? This is not good. And then he prays, Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. And miraculously, God opens his eyes, and behind that army, there are these chariots of fire, these angels, the armies of the Lord. Can I just remind you today that the army of the Lord fights for you? This battle you're in, it is truly the Lord's. This battle that our nation is in, God is not surprised by this. In fact, he has prepared us uh, to face things like this. Even though we don't know what to do, we don't know what it's all about, God does. He is aware. And I, I believe and I really pray that this is a time that God causes the church to rise up and be the church. I mean, we're so caught up in politics and all the mess that can sometimes rob us of our vision, and now we can put all that stuff aside and really focus on being the church that God's called us to be, and that's to love people, 
to love each other. We've been talking about that through 1 John. The world will know that we are real and authentic when we love each other in the church. And now we have a time and opportunity to love outside the church. And I pray that we do well. And I pray that we, we stand up. So Paul says that we need to exchange our worry for communication with God. If you know, in times of stress or worry, it's always good to talk about it. Sometimes I just need to talk about this. I just need to get this off my chest. We use that terminology. Well, that definitely helps. And sometimes I challenge you to talk out loud to God. Sometimes you need to hear what you're saying. Sometimes the enemy who can't read your mind needs to hear the words that you're saying that are coming out of your heart to know that he has no power over you. He can't cause you to live a life consumed with worry. Paul makes that very clear. Because worry is driven by human reasoning. We try to figure things out. We try to look at it from our perspective. We forget there's a heavenly perspective that God allows us, like this servant, to see. God lets us see that. Maybe not always with our physical eyes, but with our heart. Isaiah makes it clear in Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And we are grateful for this. <laughs> because if his ways were our ways, he'd be just as stressed out as we are. But in him we have hope because he is above us. Again, so we exchange our worry for communication with God. Jesus demonstrated that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke records that in chapter 12, verse 50. If you remember Jesus on his knees crying out to God, God, if there's another way, Father, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. If there's another way to save the world, then let's do that one. As the gospel records, sweat drops of blood to show the depth of his anxiety in this moment. Yet he cries out, the Son of God cries out to the Father God in all reality of what he's going through. And he says, does God reject him at that moment? Does God say, I, I raised you better than that? No. He receives those words and he comforts him, even when his disciples didn't. Jesus said, but I have, to, I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is completed. So Jesus knew about stress before he was going to be crucified. And so we see that Jesus living that example, which reminds us, if it, if it is of interest to you, it is of interest to God. God is concerned about what concerns you because he wants us to live in his power. If it matters to you, then God is interested. Again, the Bible is very clear. God knows when a sparrow falls, he knows how many hairs are on our head. He's that intimately involved in our lives because he wants us to live in power. And I love Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. The psalmist writes, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. How precious to me are your thoughts. What the psalmist is saying, God, the thoughts you think about me, they are precious to me. And they outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. God is constantly thinking about you. You and I are constantly on his mind. Nothing, there's not one millisecond that happens in our life that God's not aware. And not only is he aware, but he is prepared for it. And in many unseen ways, he's prepared us for it. 
And I love this phrase that God redeems everything that he allows. If he allows this struggle into our lives, even with this virus thing, he will redeem it. And I believe he will redeem it through his church and how we respond. Again, it's interesting, if you were around at 9-11, some of you weren't. <laughs> Still blows my mind. But 9-11, churches were full for months. People flocked to the church because they were afraid. What if this happens again? Is this the end of the world? People were drawn to the church. Now with this situation, we're, we're asking people not to come to the church to help stop it. So it's, it's, it's weird to do that because this is a place of hope and mercy. But just want to remind us, we are the church. We go there to them. They don't have to come to a building. We can go to them. We, we are the church. We are the representatives. We are those who speak peace. So God thinks about you more than you think about you, and, and God wants to bless your life. He is a good, good father. And then Paul says something very significant. Be thankful. In supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Now, it's interesting. When you think back, when you pray for God to fix the situation in your life and then he does it do you tell him thank you most of us are probably pretty bad about that we, we forget it but Paul's not even talking about this Paul is saying as you make those requests be thankful to God first of all that he hears us second of all that he cares and third that he's going to respond he's going to intervene in some way because God not only hears us but he responds in his will and his way but we can give him thanks even on the front end of what we're going through. And that ability to give thanks releases us from any spiritual bondage that worry or the enemy would put on us. I can thank God in advance to know that he's going to get me through this. Now, there are those who may be with cancer or maybe they will have this virus and they will pray for God to heal them and they will die. But if they are Christ followers, there's this wonderful thing called eternal life that is their hope. That what can't be or what isn't fixed on this earth is settled in heaven. But that's the hope we have that those without Christ don't. So he reminds us of this. In fact, that Matthew, Jesus said this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And what's cool about God is he's God of today and he's God of our tomorrows. So we don't have to worry about it. And he's not saying that you just focus all your worry on today. That's not what he's saying. He's saying as God is showing himself faithful to you today and you recognize it today in the moment, then let that be assurance that you don't have to worry about tomorrow. He'll do the same then. Just make sure that you have given God control of every area of your life. And I, and I always encourage people to have a prayer journal to write down your prayers and then how God answers them to remind us to be thankful. But also at times like this, when, we, when the unknown is in front of us, we don't know how this is all going to play out. But we can look back in our lives in the past and see where we've been in similar situations. No, not identical, but similar situations. And we had the same worry, stress, and anxiety then, and God answered it back then. Maybe it took a while. Maybe we're still going through that, but we see how God answers. And that gives us confidence to go into the future because our God of the past is the God of the future too. So it means we have to release control. That's tough for us. Because if you're a worrywart, you're probably a control freak, <laughs> right? 
I need two personalities going on at the same time. And we like to be in control because that gives us confidence, but we're not very good at it. So we have to release that control. Again, if, if, if you're a worrier, how's it working for you? Probably not well. You're probably sick to your stomach. <laughs> you may be dealing with headaches. Worry doesn't work. But Jesus said to us, take heart, I have overcome the world. Doesn't mean the battle's not still there. Doesn't mean the virus is going to go away tomorrow. Doesn't mean everybody's going to respond the right way. Doesn't mean you're always going to respond the right way. Doesn't mean you're going to have it all figured out. The battle rages, but like this servant, you get to see God working for you. So I challenge you, whether you're at home or wherever you're meeting or here, just to just to be honest, what are the things that cause you to worry? What are the things causing stress in your life? Write them out one by one. Be specific. Don't say world hunger. <laughs> Peace on it. Just be specific and then pray about them specifically. As you pray, God, I worry about my kids. Just imagine yourself handing that over to him and letting go. I worry about my finances. I give them to you. And you don't take it back, right? Got to give you my finances, but I'm going to try to figure it out after I get up off my knees. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> you didn't really hand it over. And when we do this, we will experience the peace of God. God said, I give you peace. It's not the peace that the world gives you. I give you my peace. It's amazing. God's peace lives in us. So I encourage you to pray with each other. Hold each other close. I think it's okay. We got Lysol if you need to spray each other down. There are times we just need human contact, you know. And maybe it's air contact, I, I don't know, but we just need each other. We need God to get through this, and he's given us one another to help us as well. There is hope. There is peace, joy in the midst of crisis. So this is just crazy. With all that's going on. I just got a word this morning. That a dear friend of ours, how old is Charles, 80? 
80-year-old committed suicide yesterday. Major health issues. And I just hear him. He just didn't want to do this anymore. And you hurt for that, and you hurt for his wife and our other dear friends. There's so much hopelessness in this world. If it's not a virus, it'll be something else. And we just don't have time to play church. We have to be the church. And maybe it's, I don't know, risking some things. I don't, I want, I don't want to say risk infection because we want to stop the spread. But I hope we're not afraid to enter into each other's lives and be peaceful. Let's pray. God, there's so many things that I don't understand. I don't get. There's so much hurt and pain and evil and sorrow in the world. And I know that's accusations against you so many times. We have our pat answers that we get. Well, God is good and God is in control. And we believe these things, God. But sometimes you give us opportunities to demonstrate it. And that's not easy. I just pray, Father, in the midst of all this and the chaos and confusion and fear that's in the world that we would take advantage of the opportunities to demonstrate it, that we would first settle it in our own hearts, that we're not just saying slogans, but that we really mean it. And the world can see that you are good and that you care because we show them this about you. As I was prayed earlier, we want to be your hands and feet. We want to be your voice of calmness. We want to speak words of hope. And regardless if this thing is blown out of proportion, whatever, it's caused people to be afraid. And your word reminds us that perfect love casts out fear. And we can only love perfectly because of you. Help us, your church, to love the way you love us. And Father, my prayer would be that through this event, through this virus, you would bring an awakening to this planet. You are good and we are grateful. Amen.